You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. You know, I recently actually won uh, a lot of money on DraftKings. Uh, I bet that uh, Tom Brady would get unbelievably and undeservedly lucky in a Super Bowl <laughs> or a big game in general. So wow. make that make that bet every time. How much did you win? Uh, just millions of dollars. <laughs> I'm just going to bet it every game. Just, just enormous. Like Tom Brady's going to get an enormous break, and there's still going to be a you know a horseshoe shoved firmly up his ass. But DraftKings. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you want to also become a millionaire like me, uh, use DraftKings. So this week's jam packed with action, ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways to have a front row seat for you to have a front row seat for all the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Wow, excitement to every night and simple to do. Sounds like my kind of night. Uh, <laughs> draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Each player has a salary associated with drafting them. Assemble a lineup of players while staying under the salary cap and then sit back and watch your points pile up like Taylor. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion, $2 billion of which has gone to Taylor, to users across sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. That stands for the Hockey Podcast Network. You're darn right it does. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As always, I'm Brendan. I'm Taylor. And today we are going to uh, talk a little bit about the Sabres, and then we're going to get into something way more interesting. So, um, Taylor, let's just jump into our Sabres discussion. Okay, and that concludes our Sabres discussion, everybody. So, I just really quick wanted to shout out all my favorite goals from this weekend. It was awesome, right? Yep. So many highlights. Yep, there so we go. Many, so many. We already completed the whole list. Yeah, I know. Wow, wow, that was quick. Well, anyways, we are welcomed by a first-time guest of the podcast who Taylor and I have wanted to have on for a bit, and we're very excited to have her on, Melissa Burgess. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. And so, Melissa, your work can be found, uh, whether it's Die by the Blade, the Victory Press with the with Canisius College for the Griffs hockey team, and then also the Buffalo Junior Sabres. So you kind of dip your feet into a little bit of everything. So would you mind just talking a little bit first to start off just about how you kind of got into, I guess, hockey journalism and uh, where your path started? Yeah. So, um, well, I've been a, a Sabres fan. Oops. Oops. Uh, since, <laughs> uh, since 1996. Um, so I was like, you know, five, six years old. So I really, I really liked hockey from a young age. And then um, as I got older, I, I kind of got into writing, um, after high school or um, yeah, after high school, I had an internship at the Buffalo news and that kind of really sparks my writing. And, you know, I kind of thought like, okay, well, I love hockey and I love writing. Why not combine the two? Um, so it's kind of just developed over the years. Um, so now I write about the Sabres, like you said, for Die with a Blade. Um, since about 2015, I've covered all things women's hockey for the Victory Press. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that because there's a lot to talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, I also work for the Buffalo Junior Sabres. Um, 
minor hockey organization, which covers a whole bunch of different levels. And then I do some work with Canisius College men's hockey. Um, it's great to kind of see it at all levels because it's kind of neat to see, you know, how different the kids are from the college, from the, the women's game. And then obviously the Sabres, like just to be involved in it all, there's, there's a lot of hockey going on in Buffalo and in Western New York. And, you know, if you don't want to watch the Sabres, there's still good hockey going on. So oh, yeah. plenty of options out there. Definitely. Were you at the Buffalo News around the same time? When were you at the Buffalo News, Melissa? Because Taylor also was there for a little I bit. I did. I interned there in summer 2014. No, this was before that. This would have been 2008. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. All right. Um, so like you like you mentioned with the NWHL, there's there's a lot going on. Uh, it's it's a interesting time for sure for every sport with, with handling COVID and, and trying to press on. Um, but could you kind of give us uh, like just a, a brief overview of what's taken place over the past 12 months since everything shut down to now? I realize that's uh, a tough task, but more so like, you know, the the just what's happened. When did they stop playing? What have they done since then? What are their plans for the future? Yeah, of course. Um, so the NWHL typically plays uh, a season from October to March is really uh, has been the standard. Um, so last year, so, you know, now we're talking 2019 to 20, um, they played, you know, a, a mostly full season. Um, and then kind of right when COVID things started was right when this, the league was heading into its finals. Um, so unfortunately they had to cancel their championship game, um, because obviously at, at that point it was going to be a team from Minnesota coming to Boston. And it was clear that that just was not going to be practical and, if they were going to do it, they wouldn't be able to have fans. And that's a big part of women's hockey is the fans and the, the revenue from the tickets and everything. So, Oh, absolutely. Um, so that unfortunately got canceled. And then over the summer, it was kind of, you know, obviously everything was blowing up and nobody knew exactly what the future was going to hold. Um, I actually have a, a tweet from my, my like time hop that shows my history today a year ago today that I was talking about the NWHL's plans for the next season and how they were going to actually extend the season and have more games. And it's like, wow, like, if only, <laughs> if, only if only we knew that what we know now. <laughs> That's pretty much uh, 2020 in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so then obviously October came around and, you know, they didn't, they didn't start playing. Um, they eventually announced plans to have a condensed season in Lake Placid at a, just the single site at the Olympic rink. Um, obviously exciting stuff, Lake Placid, so much hockey history there. Um, and then obviously just to have a season amid everything that's going on was great. Um, didn't really work out. <laughs> um, from the beginning, it was kind of shaky. Um, just in terms of their protocols for COVID and everything, you know, I mean, part of the, part of the issue is of course that all these women's hockey players have, I don't want to say real jobs, but second jobs or, or day jobs, you know, they're teachers, they're nurses, they're, you know, professionals. So first problem is of course with COVID, you know, you want people to quarantine before you get together into kind of groups. Well, it's not really a practical option. If I'm already taking time off from my job to go do this season. And then you also have to think about quarantining beforehand and then quarantine after. It's just not, 
not practical. Like, you know, people don't have that much vacation time to, to commit. Um, so the, the request, and I, it was literally put out as a request was that, you know, players try not to see anyone from outside their household for like seven days or two weeks before they went, um, no air travel, things like that. So, you know, they, they tried obviously to make it, but it was, um, kind of loose requirements. Uh, and then the, the teams went to Lake Placid. So, um, things kind of started off good, obviously the, the buttes, um, when the other teams, and then as the season kind of began to unfold, things just kind of fell apart. We started hearing about more potential cases. Um, it was, you know, this player is unavailable. This player is unavailable. And, and obviously there's, you know, the health privacy and all that, but we all know, like, even when an NHL team says this player is unavailable, your head goes to, is it COVID? Um, so things just kind of started spiraling out of control. They had one team just back out completely, uh, the Connecticut Whale. Um, another team had to go home because of how many positive cases they had, the Metropolitan Riveters. You know, so then you're down to four teams out of the six. And they were still going to try. Um, and then everything just kind of imploded uh, on the Monday of that week. And finally they just you know they had no choice but to scrap the season and um I don't think we'll ever know exactly how many players and officials were affected by COVID but as far as I can tell we've seen at least someone from five of the six teams who you know has said something on social media or has hinted to okay I can finally smell again and it's like okay so wow. your team was affected by COVID and um and, you know, it stinks because they were, they were going to be broadcast on NBCSN, um, which was going to be a huge deal for them, but it, it didn't happen. Um, so I'm sure we'll talk more about this, but they do hope to start up again in March. So we will see about that. Yeah, with, with what they're planning, are they, are they trying to do like a season or like a tournament? Like if they, if they are to, to restart something in March? Yeah, so when they shut things down, of course, they were down to four teams at that point, actually. So they were down to the four teams that were supposed to play in the semifinal game and then obviously the final. Um, the plan, from what I've heard, the tentative plan would be to just start up with four teams again, basically play the semifinal games and play the final and just try to finish off that part of the season. Um, the interesting thing that I'm sure some people are not happy about is what I've heard is that they're not necessarily going with the four teams that were left back last month. Um, so like computes because, because there were six teams and those two teams got, you know, sent, went home and got sent home. There were only four teams left. Right. So all the four teams were definitely going to make the semifinals just by the sheer fact that they were still around. Um, so that would mean the Buttes would be in the semifinal. Now, from what I've heard, that may not be the case. And they may be kind of backtracking to what it was if all six teams would have still been there, um, which Buffalo, uh, how do I put this nicely, did terribly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they would not be in the semifinal. Like the only reason they got there is because it was by default. So um, we don't know exactly what the structure is going to look like, but they're going to try to play the, the two semifinal games and a final 
and I've heard it's going to be in Boston. So. Oh, interesting. So uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of jump ahead a little bit because I'm just kind of curious your thoughts, you know, obviously, as we have said the past year, it's been clouded with just uncertainty for just the state of, of professional women's hockey in North America. And so I'm just kind of curious, like your opinion, what is the path forward that you would like to see for a sustainable future where there's no shat, there's without a shadow of a doubt that the league is strong and going to continue without any of the issues that have, you know, sidetracked the otherwise great progress that women's hockey has been making over the past, I mean, several years. Yeah. I mean, so how much do you guys know about, women's hockey and like the pwhpa situation and everything like that because i'm we actually planning on it. the pwhpa right now um playing at madison square garden so yeah we were planning on kind of asking about that we're both familiar but without like kind of going like into like all of the nuts and bolts so we have a bit of like a pretty solid you say like a surface level understanding yeah I mean, yeah yeah, so, yeah I, I would say i understand that the situation is like broadly i understand yeah. i would say yeah, I mean, so, you know, the, the whole thing came up because players just weren't happy with the conditions in the NWHL. They, didn't, they don't see it as a sustainable future. Um, a lot of the problems, you know, were happening a few years ago. And actually, myself and my colleagues wrote about it, you know, things like they didn't have dedicated dressing rooms as, as NWHL teams were talking about. And um, they had to go to the bathroom in trash cans in a hallway because they I, I do remember access, that story, yeah because yeah, they couldn't access the trash can the, the garbage duh. they couldn't access the bathrooms at the rink um and you know just having like they had to pay for parking when they went to go to practices and games absurd and absurd yeah it's 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 stuff that you as a professional you would not expect to do that you know um can you imagine like nhl players having to pay for their own airfare right no, yeah you would never think that um so that's kind of where this this split comes in is there's these players who think that the nwhl is not sustainable and they're really going for those things they want you know a living wage they don't want to have to have another job they want to be able to make hockey their job and that's you know totally understandable i mean um the nhl has been around for god knows how long and male professional hockey players are making obscene amounts of money and literally like one player's salary in the NHL would fund the entire women's hockey league and and then some probably um so it is hard it's hard to think about what the future holds the NWHL has been around for you know six seasons now the PWHPA has been around for a few years um, the PWHPA doesn't actually call itself a league um, because their whole their whole spiel is that they're fighting for the league that they want. Um, so I, I think you know it's more about like exposure and getting their people's eyes on the women's hockey players and seeing what they can do and working toward those goals of equity and the the salaries and health insurance, you know, things like that that you don't even necessarily think about when it comes to the NHL. Yeah, but they're thinking about it because they don't have a choice. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, it is, it's something you probably wouldn't, you would never think about, like you said, like, in, if you have another job, say, like, you work in PR, but also, you know, you you also play professional women's hockey, sure, yeah, you have to think about, like, taking vacation time and making sure that works, uh, you can get to practice on time and working everything out with your boss, 
But then what happens if you're someone like, I think her name was Dina Lang. Dana Lang. Dana Lang, that like yeah. was severely injured in a game to a way yeah. that would impact not just her ability to play hockey, but her entire life. And now it's like, who's footing the bill for that? If it was, if she was in the NHL, it'd be her team. She'd have, you know, she'd be set up. But in this case, that's so I, I can see like why that's a huge, like huge issue. Hockey's a, even, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a dangerous game. I mean, with or without like body checking, whatever, it's, it's just not, it's not exactly safe for anyone. Yeah. I mean, even just in the times of COVID, you think like uh, about those NWHL players who may have contracted COVID from Lake Placid, like, so what happens if one of them has like serious long-term issues and that affects their day job and that affects their livelihood and it, it becomes this whole bigger issue, but it's also just even simpler things like getting meals at games, like pregame meals or postgame meals. You know, NHL players, you know, they go on the plane, they have their fancy steaks and whatever. The women don't get that. Um, but I will, I will say like a few years ago when the Pagulas were involved with the Buttes, they, they did get that kind of stuff. Um, and that was kind of the, that kind of showcased like this is how women's hockey should be treated. Um, and that's kind of what they're going for is that, that gold standard. So, well, let's talk about that a little bit, because that was going to be the next thing I wanted to bring up was the Pagula's involvement and sense lack thereof. Um, and when that had kind of happened, where the agreement that it had or the contract that they had, it was really, was it only for a year, if I understand correctly? It, and then they just kind of bailed pretty much. Yeah, they, they basically gave the team back to the league because all the, all the, at that point, all the teams were owned by the league. So they just kind of basically said, here you go. Right, right. Well, and that's what's interesting, though, like you said, where, you know, that season really was like the blueprint for how these teams and how the players really should be treated. Um, and I, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of curious, like, do you find that, you know, is that like the avenue to go towards where it's marketing this towards, uh, I shouldn't say marketing, but more so like pitching to get like owners of NHL clubs on board, like partnerships with the NHL. I mean, that's something that gets talked about, talked about pretty frequently. Uh, you know, the possibility of it being a league that kind of runs parallel to the NHL and having, you know, the, the co-management of the leagues. Um, so I, I don't know, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think that's a good thing for whether it's the league straight up to align with the NHL or to have like the individual teams align with the owners in the respective markets that they also play in that the NHL team plays in rather. Yeah. I, I think that the, for the individual teams to, to kind of link up, it makes sense just because you do have obviously a lot of the same fan base. You're, you know, maybe playing in the same ranks or very close to each other. Um, just makes sense, right? You like hockey, yeah. you have people in the area who like hockey, like here's another hockey you can like. Um, for the NHL to, to totally take over, I don't see that as a realistic option. Um, the NHL basically has said they're not interested as long as there's two leagues or two pathways that they see. Um, and that was back several years ago. And I, I don't think anything's really changed at, at that point. Um, but also I think you have to think about how the NW, how the NHL treats women. Um, it, it's not good. <laughs> um, so Oh, you know, to think about, to think about them taking over a women's hockey league would just be like, Oh God, no, absolutely not. Yeah. I don't want but Gary do Bettman's hands on that. Individual... No, uh, <laughs> I don't even want Gary Bettman's hands on the NHL. So, yeah, true, true. Um, 
you know, so I think it makes sense to have those connections just because you are intrinsically tied to each other with the band base and everything. Um, but more than anything, I think that at least the NWHL is going towards that individual ownership model, whether it's someone tied to the NHL or just, you know, someone with money. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's, that's where it's headed. So the marketing possibilities with that, I feel like are endless too, where it could be, you know, like for teams, like for the Sabres and the Buttes, for example, if the Sabres are playing a Friday night at the arena, the Buttes are, in t are playing on Saturday, you know, like it just seems it, you're right. It does make too much sense. I, I, that's a very interesting thing, but I, I guess I would be curious too, for how it would work out, even if, because I feel like for some of the um, teams in the NWHL, of course, not all of them are in markets that have NHL teams as well. But if I'm not mistaken, at least everyone, though, it's either an NHL or AHL. At least there's someone, there's one nearby, I'm pretty sure. So that, yeah. that definitely does seem like that would make too much sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, for example, like, is there, is there a better place in the league for an NWHL team than uh, Harper Center? I know they weren't playing there last season. I think that whatever that was, they're playing at the Pepsi Center. Yeah. Um, but... I mean, Harbor Center, it's like directly downtown. Uh, it's right next to the other arena. It has multiple, you know, amenities, like it has a hotel. I mean, it's an ugly ass building, but like it's, <laughs> it, it works for what it is. Uh, and obviously that's, that's such an like important part of downtown. Is there, do the other teams have, is there anyone else that has a setup like that? Yeah. I mean, so the Minnesota Whitecaps play at the Minnesota Wild practice rink. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of similar there and then the Boston Pride play at the the Bruins practice rink um, so you know kind of same thing the the Metropolitan Riveters did at one point have a partnership with the Devils um, so they were playing at the rink next to Prudential Center so there's definitely some you know some nice places out there um, Minnesota and Boston are definitely the most modern um, Harbor Center was great uh, obviously Northtown Center is not nearly as beautiful and modern and rich um <laughs> no um, i mean it's also like it's mostly like a youth and high school center yeah but it's really for yeah um the one thing that i i will say i know that they were happy about Northtown center was that the parking is a lot easier oh um, definitely because you know it's one of those things that like if there's a sabers game at keeping center and people are coming to harbor center for a buttes game people were having to pay the $20 to park or even players, you know, might be having a hard time getting through and yeah. North town center. It's just super easy. Players can leave their cars there overnight for road trips. And um, so it's, you know, it's got its pros and cons obviously, but um, I'm looking forward to hopefully eventually seeing an NWHL team in Pittsburgh. I think that's um, the next move. So. Do you have any other cities in mind for expansion? Like aside from Pittsburgh? Um, DC, I think would be a great fit. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I could also see Chicago. Um, I think, oh. you know, you've got Minnesota, so you're kind of already moving out West a little bit. So mm -hmm. I think Chicago would make sense. Yeah, definitely. I actually am curious too, to kind of go back to the local side of it with the Buttes. Do you see any, I mean, I'm sure you do, I guess I'm asking like, what do you see that the, the Sabres and I guess just like local hockey, I mean, I, really, it kind of applies to the Sabres and Pagoulas. What do you think that they could be doing better to amplify women's hockey? Because I think there, for one, obviously already is an existing market for it with an insane amount of room to grow. And I think that it goes without saying that the Sabres 
if they really wanted to, could play an integral part in that. So is there anything that you kind of feel like that the team should be doing, that the Pagoulas should be doing to really help the Buttes expand their reach in the area? Honestly, at this point, I think it's a moot point. I think the, the Pagoulas, you know, did their piece, they stepped away, they kind of said, we're done with this and we're hands off, we're, we're not interested anymore. Um, and I don't know, you know, I don't pretend to know the, the details behind it. And I don't know if it was because they weren't making money off of it or, um, or maybe they saw something in the NWHL that they just kind of were like, eh, not so yeah. sure about this. I mean, um, the, the making money thing would definitely, uh, it would not make <laughs> them unique among Pagula owned businesses over the past few years. True. <laughs> uh, true. So, so I don't know, but I, I don't see them kind of getting back together at any point. So unfortunately, um, you know, I know like the PWHPA's Buffalo players um, were have been practicing or had been practicing at Harbor Center and stuff, but that's all like they pay for their ice and everything. So it's not a gift. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I kind of don't see any connection there or future connection, unfortunately, at this point. So well, that's that's interesting. I um I I do kind of want to go back to the to the the split that happened. I think was that in the spring or summer of 2019 that that occurred? That sounds right. Yeah, because uh, I do remember, I think it would have been that March of 2019, there was like Harbor Center, there was like a sold out crowd, uh, big, I believe, semifinal game. And there was like videos, I, I remember seeing pe people tweeting out and it's like, when the Pagoulas were still around, it was either 2018 or 19. And it was like, wow, this could be happening. Like this could be like, uh, not Buffalo's like, obviously there, there are other pro teams in Buffalo, but like a real like cultural institution, the way the Sabres are, except the team seems to actually win. And then there's like that kind of split and the Pagoulas also were like, you know, see ya with the, but, you know, do you think there was any kind of distinct difference before and after uh, all those players left the league, basically? Uh, do you, do you, did you see anything like as someone who watched the league for as long as it's been around, has, has any, have, were there major changes or was it just like, oh, this is just, just different players here? I mean, I think there are made, it is, it is very different. Um, I know, you know, the NWHL still wants to promote itself as very like highly skilled, highly talented players, but realistically, you don't have most of the Olympians, you don't have most of the national team players. So there is that, that drop off in talent, right? I mean, it's like, are you watching a team with, you know, like a Sidney Crosby or are you watching a team with like a, uh, how can I make a good name? Any saber really? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Right. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's not the same. Like, obviously it's still, it's still great hockey. It's still entertaining. It's still, you know, it's still deserving of support, but it's not the same. Um, and yeah, so I just looked back cause I wanted to, you know, be accurate about my dates here. So it was May of 2019. Um, it was May 2nd that the split of the women's hockey kind of happened where players said, okay, we're not, we're not going to play here anymore. We're going to sit out. We're going to fight for what we deserve. And then it was six days later that the Pagoulas said, we're done. Uh, wow. So, it, you know, I, I mean, obviously things were brewing in both cases um, long before those, those splits happened. But I do think that it's you know, hard to see all those big name players leave and say, yeah, we still want to be invested. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's really unfortunate. Cause you know, like I said, there was like, it seemed like the really fan base was really building up and things were seeming to get better. And obviously COVID would have put a dent in that no matter what, but like 
going forward, it's it's really unfortunate because me and Brendan say like, I don't know, once every three episodes, I'd say like, we, we want the Pagoulas out of our lives. Like, <laughs> once every three, I'm doing yeah, that. Or every episode. Three times really. an episode. Yeah. <laughs> and like, if the, I mean, they could sell the bandits. They could sell most of the teams that are involved in the Amherst. And like, I would, it'd be fine. Those teams would keep existing. Like the team that I think would be most helped by like having the Pagoulas around is I think probably the Buttes. And not because they'd run them well, because they don't really run anything well. But like, just having that money with like, like you said before that it kind of sets them apart and it just, it, it's kind of, um, it's disheartening to see that them kind of step away in the league, have the troubles it's had. I mean, like I said, cause a lot of COVID related things, but it's just, I feel like there's been a lot of progress made in, in women's and girls hockey in Western New York in the, in the past, Oh, decade plus, uh, since I played like, and obviously like I played very low level hockey. So no comparison to any like professionals, but like, you know, when I started playing hockey, there weren't girls locker rooms at uh, holiday rinks. Like in uh, while I was playing, they were built. Uh, when I I was a senior in high school before there was actual girls high school hockey here. And now that's a very successful league. It's existed for more than a decade. They add, seem to add schools and teams every year. And it just, it felt like there was, you know, real momentum on that front. And I feel like having a like successful professional team would really add to that. Do you think, do you see a future at all where like the, the Buttes are that team that, you know, girls from that play like on like the Lancaster Iroquois Butte team, they're taking a team trip out to see the Buttes and there's 2,500 people there. Uh, maybe they play in the Harbor Center again. I don't know if that's a possibility. Do you see any kind of future with that? Yeah, I think the big thing about women's hockey in general and the NWHL is just as much, as much about it is it's just as much about the current players as it is about the future players. So there is a lot of that outreach already with some of the younger teams. Um, I don't necessarily know that they reach out to like the high school teams, which I, I think would make perfect sense because, you know, eventually those girls are going to go to college and then they're going to maybe want to play professionally. Right. So you want yeah, to they do have, I, if I'm not mistaken, like the all-time leading scorer for Western New York girls hockey is currently on the Buttes. Hmm. I believe. That would make sense. Yeah. Um, you know, and it is, it is a lot of local talent that's on the Buttes. Um, you've had a lot of local players over the years, not just this year, but over the years. Um, so it is nice. It would be nice to see them kind of develop that. Um, I know like Kelsey Newman, who is the Buttes goalie, one of the Buttes goalies, um, she's a, a teacher at a local school, but she also coaches like some young girls teams. So we have had, you've had those teams kind of come to games and like, obviously they cheer her on. They're like, oh my God, coach Kelsey. You know, so it is cool to to have them see that. Um, but I think that that is something that could be developed because I, I think you're absolutely right. I think women, women's and girls hockey has kind of exploded over the last few years. Um, the, the fun fact for me is that I had never, and I, I really think never watched a women's hockey game before 2015, um, which is really not that long ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it was the, the 2015 under 18 uh, girls world championships that were here in Buffalo and that was literally my first introduction to women's hockey and it was it was great the the games some of the games were sold out um like there was a USA game that was literally the stands at Harbor Center were packed everybody was cheering and going crazy and like that was part of why the NWHL decided to put a team in Buffalo um, we heard that directly from the commissioner that they saw the success of that. They saw how much people liked girls hockey, women's hockey, and they decided to put a, a pro team here because they knew they could feed off of that. 
Um, so I think it, it will only continue to grow more locally. Um, even on the junior sabers, like obviously it's largely a boys um, organization, but there are a few girls in the organization and I, I just hope that they keep going with it. And, you know, eventually as they get older, they can get onto those girls, all girls teams instead of having to play with the boys. And, um, and then hopefully someday maybe get on the beers. So I was actually just kind of curious while we're talking about up and coming hockey players and, and really the growth of hockey in Western New York, you know, you had, as we had said at the top of the show, you know, with your work with, with the Griffs and then also with the junior Sabres, I mean, are you plugged in to like the local amateur circuit here at all? I think so. So as I'm, they're kind of, like, I'm kind of a little bit into every, every little, literally like every level of hockey. Okay. Fair. <laughs> Touche. Fair enough. Well, the, the reason I asked though is because I'm kind of curious, like, is there any, like names to watch of like, you know, amateur players now that you see them play and when you're just going and watching and they just jump out at you that they are going to be a star someday, whether it could be in the NWHL or whatever form that professional women's hockey takes or even taking it a step further into the Olympics. Um, so I'm not as familiar with amateur girls hockey, if that's what you're asking about locally. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I will talk about one because I'm going to take a second, hot second here to brag a little bit about a junior Sabres player, um, Matteo Costantini, who's, if you're listening to this and you're a Sabres fan, his name probably sounds familiar because he was drafted by the Sabres. Mm. Um, he played for the junior Sabres, um, including the team that I work directly with. Um, just an incredible talent, just like the skill level is unreal with this kid. And he's also so down to earth, which you know, you're a teenager, you're like, you're killing it. You're getting all these offers from colleges and things like, obviously you have every reason to boast and be cocky. And, um, you saw none of that. Um, he's going to North Dakota, um, which is like obviously the hockey school. And then he's a Sabres prospect now. So I definitely look forward to, to seeing where his career ends up and hopefully the Sabres don't ruin him. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. <laughs> Get him out we'll of here. So we'll come back success. in a few years. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. We need an ownership change. <laughs> yeah, sure. Should we Should we give in? Do you, Melissa, how, like, I know it's a Sunday night and we're talking right now. Let's so talk was, about all those awesome goals the Sabres Yeah, I was going <laughs> to... Yep. How angry do you want to get this evening? Like, do you want to, do we want to talk about them at all? Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even really, I mean, I don't like, have what is there to talk about? You know, it's just, yeah, what, we can talk so about how bad. Ralph everything is, is like, bad. Ralph Kruger straight up lied about Jack's Jack's yeah. injury. That's yeah, pretty we probably interesting. Should at least mention that. I know I promised we wouldn't talk about them uh, on Twitter earlier, but <laughs> that, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's weird. I mean, <laughs> why would he, why did he do that? yeah it just betrays like this like his own weird lack of confidence in benching skinner yeah mm -hmm. it's just it, it's it's bizarre and it's you know it kind of goes back to like what you said before like one nhl salary could fund like the entire nwhl it's like if jeff skinner makes nine million dollars and his idiot coach is putting him in the press box three games in a row while injuries are piling yeah. up what a waste yeah. the biggest waste the big i mean and if anything too i think it's kind of funny that Granted, I feel like we have a new example of this every week, but Mr. Master Communicator, the incredible orator, you know, how he always gets his message through. It's like, wow, you really had to lie about your star player's injury. Like what, yeah, what are you trying to accomplish by doing that? It, 
Yeah, Mr. Left on Read. I mean, really, though, really. I, well, I mean, Melissa, just generally speaking, I know the answer is probably some variation of like dumpster fire. But what <laughs> what is your uh, what, what's your take on on this year's Sabres? I, I think you're right. It's a dumpster fire, right? I mean, there's no consistency. And, and obviously, um, you know, it's hard because there's been no consistent lineup with all the COVID stuff and injuries and everything. But that only can be so much of an excuse, right? You, you still have these big guys that aren't scoring. You have goaltending that is oof. And <laughs> you have a coach that just like does things that straight up doesn't make sense. Um, so it's just all together very frustrating and, and weird. It's like, what is going on in that locker room? What is going on at practices? What are we talking about that there's just, you know, they say there's communication, but clearly there's, a lot of miscommunication um, and just misunderstandings and people are not on the same page. And now you've got Allmark who's going to be out for at least a month, which is just the icing on top of the cake, isn't it? I mean, mm -hmm. uh, and yet we still continue to watch them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. I didn't watch today. Luckily, I just, I, I, I couldn't do it, but um, <laughs> someone pointed out like last year, there was the whole, um, we want to play meaningful hockey in March, which was such a, it was such an embarrassing quote at the time. Cause it's like March 1st is like six weeks before the season ends. <laughs> like it doesn't mean anything. It's a very low standard and they haven't gotten to it since so this is the lowest probably, bar, probably the lowest possible 2013. Bar. And now they have a season that started on January 14th and they're not going <laughs> to play meaningful hockey in March again. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, oh, you know, Sometimes and it's like when's when is the next game? Is it Tuesday? I think it is. Mm -hmm. And the goal is going to be okay. We want to score one goal tonight. Yeah, right. Yeah. Seriously. Well, for what it's worth, everybody, I said I said it last episode. I'll say it again. It just we all should really, if you are able to, seek therapy. We we desperately <laughs> desperately need it. I I will I will give out my therapist number to anybody who needs it because <laughs> at this point. There is something wrong with us that we continue to watch. But what I will say, though, honestly, on the topic of Ralph really quick, I don't know if it's me just looking into it and just like secretly stewing and hoping for this guy's demise, but he really kind of seems to be unraveling more so over the past week and a half than he has at any other point. Like last year, I think back to, you know, again, he comes in when he gets hired and I, I won't lie. I think most people were pretty psyched about it because of the fact that he kind of pulled a con job on us. Like he's, he, he was talking a big game, you know, whether it was talking about his belief in analytics and, just his, his, um, what's the word I'm looking for? How people view, how players like viewed him, but his reputation with players, like he was such a player's coach. So having that coupled with this like forward thinking mindset and analytics, you know, everybody bought into it. And then, you know, we start off the season so hot and then everybody's like, Oh my God, this is actually happening. You know, like we're not going to have the 10 game winning streak again, like sustained success. It might be here. We might actually be good. And that all went to shit and fell apart people knew very quickly, probably by like the new year at that point, that just what Ralph's, I guess, deficiencies were and in, in the flaws in his coaching style. Um, and even in spite of that, to me, it still feels like the past week, when you think about the fact that, as I had mentioned before, he lied about Jack's injury, he had to go out of his way to clarify twice for that matter, once initially, and then a second time, that him and Kevin Adams communicate constantly and have a good working relationship. That was very telling. I thought that he had to the second time. And then third of all, 
excuse me, um, on top of all of that now, you have him today giving the potential kiss of death of saying that he felt like there was no problem with his job security, which I think if we all remember, Jason Botterill, I think, said that about two weeks before he was fired. Um, and I think also so did Tim Murray and probably the last several people fire, fired by the Sabres. Bilesma. Bilesma, yeah. So I don't know. To me, it, it's kind of suspect. You know, it seems like this is a point where the Sabres have, are hitting more adversity that they have than they've hit maybe at any point in the entire like span of the, of the nine now going on 10 year playoff drought. And that's saying something. And the fact of the matter is, is that this guy was again, touted as this communicator and forward thinker and being able to be the one to navigate through problems. And now that like, you're getting some real adversity here and, and the heat's getting turned up on you. And he just, does not seem to have it put together at all. Yeah, nope. no, I, nope. I think if you, if you have to talk about how secure your job is, your job probably isn't secure. Yeah, right. right. Well said. Very it's well it's said. basically Joe Pesci walking in the room in Goodfellas to get made. That's <laughs> that's that's what I think of when I just hear like, oh, I think I'm going to be back. I think I'll be here for a while. <laughs> Love that confidence. <laughs> I don't think anyone will shoot me in the back of the head. No way. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's stop talking about these idiots. You know what? We were talking about it before the show. So, Melissa, one thing that we do on the show every week, there's there's two kind of things that we end our show with, two little segments. The first of which is we give a recommendation, whether it's an album or a TV show or a movie or whatever it is. And we actually didn't do that our last episode. And so I figured since we have you on tonight, Melissa, we could take a little bit more time to talk a little bit about that. I don't know if you have anything that you've watched or listened to or read, anything like that lately that you've really enjoyed if you want taylor or myself can go first or if you want to go first and take it away um if you haven't watched Shit's creek by now oh you gotta watch is... Shit's creek right I, I mean i've heard from so many people that like it was really bad and they couldn't get into it and it's like, but you just got to give it time you just got to give it time because i swear it gets so good my literally my father-in-law and i were talking about it today he just started watching it and he, you know, got through like the first few episodes and he's like, I laughed once and I'm like, okay, but it gets better. Just watch it. It's so good. So if you're listening to this and you somehow have not watched it, you need to watch it. Taylor, any thoughts? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I've heard that, obviously. I don't need to go into a whole thing about Shit's Creek, but I've heard, I've heard, I'll just say this. I've heard the advice before. I've gotten the advice. I will, well, you know, Melissa, I will say I love Shit's Creek. I think it's one of those shows where with each season, not only does like the writing and the storyline progressively get better, but you also get way more attached to the characters too because they become so much more relatable and down to earth. But it's also kind of like part of the allure of the show is that they're so unrelatable. You know, yeah. like they're supposed, in reality, I mean, let's be honest, they're supposed to be the kind of people that like you hate. But they it's a very unique way of how, you know, through their personal growth, you know, they, they become so likable. But either way, I mean, the, the, the performances in it are amazing. And yeah, I, I was yeah. crying my eyes out at the finale. Like, <laughs> oh, my God, it was so good. Yeah, I mean, like I didn't start watching it until right before the last season. Oh, really? Um, OK. So, you know, I had seen people mention it online and like but I never really like looked into it or even like thought about it because I didn't really know what it was about or anything. And then. Um, I started seeing some of my friends talk about how good it was. And I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a try. So it was right before the last season premiered. So I watched all of those. And then I watched the last season. And I was like, okay, 
was a good life choice. So for sure, really good finale, like season finales too. Yeah. I mean, I know that's kind of like a thing with most shows, but I think what's cool too is like, I think of specific episodes through like the first three seasons, because I feel like it really starts to hit its stride around like the middle of season three, yeah. but I feel like progressively leading up to that, it's like every three or four episodes, there's one that's like really, really good that kind of shows you like the potential of what the show eventually becomes when you get to seasons like four five and six. So great recommendation all about that. Hopefully actually aren't the golden globes on right now or the Emmys right now. It's golden so, globes. Yeah. Golden globes are golden okay. Globes, yeah. Right. Right. Well, pulling for them to, to get one. Great choice. <laughs> Who's your favorite character from Shit's Creek? Oh God, David. Yes. Nice. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard not to love him. Right. 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 Definitely. Taylor, what do you got this week for yours? So more so than ever, I think the recommendation section is turning into here's what you should watch instead of the Sabres section. Which, <laughs> the way they played, yes. it's not even just like the losing. It's, it's oh my God, so many things. I can't get into it. But anyway, you might want to watch something else. So one thing I like, I'm a huge horror fan, but I don't always just want to watch a movie that'll terrify me or unsettle me or like make me think or make me worried, anxious, make me like be in bed later and be like, oh man is the witch from the conjuring on top of my dresser, <laughs> things like that. I just don't, you don't always want to be in that mood. So I like light horror movies a lot too. And like in the past, those usually took the place of like being a slasher, whatever. Anyway, there's one, uh, I guess, segment of Blumhouse films. Blumhouse is a horror production company uh, that I've really liked. Like I liked, really like the happy death day movies. And I actually got to look this up because I'm forgetting the director's name right now. Um, but they're they're fun, light, you laugh, it has still horror adjacent, there's still murders and stuff, you know, that's fun, we all love murders. Um, <laughs> but, so one movie that came out, uh, Christopher Landon, that's the guy's name, Christopher Landon directed those Happy Death Day movies, a movie that just came out that was, it should have come out in theaters, but was never able to, obviously, because of COVID, it's called Freaky, it's uh, kind of a, a horror take on Freaky Friday, and the story is basically that Catherine Newton, who's been in a lot of stuff, rising star, I think, She's a high school uh, nerd, kind of. Uh, that's like one of those ones that's like a tough sell. It's like not just that she's in high school because she's like my age. She's like 28 years old. But also, <laughs> she's like she's like really pretty and like stuff like that. You're like, oh, OK, you're a nerd. No one likes you. That's it. I mean, sure, sure, sure you are. <laughs> uh, but she ba- does like through some weird magic and accidental body swap with Vince Vaughn, who's a serial killer. So she's got a, you know get her body back she's in Vince Vaughn and like convince her friends that she's actually herself Catherine Newton uh, trapped in another body and that the person that is in her body is doing murders is her it's a really fun movie it's funny there's a lot of uh little tiny moments that you might catch uh references to to the world and to other horror movies and I don't I really liked it he was like a, a Michael Myers type of guy I would say except you get to actually see him and not just you know a guy behind a mask so I, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was a nice little thing. I saw it on, I think it was only like $5 on Amazon, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I was going to say what streaming platform was it on? I'm pretty sure, yeah, I rented it from Amazon. Huh. Very nice. Yeah, it's a it's good fun. one. Cool. That came out what, last year? No, it just came out. Uh, oh, it got delayed, you said. Yeah, it was supposed oh, to okay, come out in bad, theaters last year, so they just released it streaming instead. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. All right, I'm going to go with a music one for mine, uh, as as usual. 
Um, so I know a couple of recent ones that I've done have been more, I wouldn't say more main, I've done a couple of like mainstream ones. So for the sake of mixing it up, I'm going to go with an album by a band called Naive Thieves. Um, they have an album that came out in 2014 called Vominos. And for anybody who is a fan of like indie alternative music, uh, these guys are amazing. So I actually was, uh, it will be coming out this week. I joined our friends, actually Kevin, uh, and T Ryder and TJ Luckman on their podcast, uh, between two rebuilds to talk about the strokes. And, um, one of the things that we had talked about with the strokes that makes them so great is that even though they play like this kind of, you know, rock garage rock, however you want to call it style of music in reality, like the reason why their songs are so cool or, or are so fun is because they're pop songs pretty much just dressed up as rock songs. And I kind of feel this way about this band Naive Thieves and they're similar, I guess, in sound to the strokes, but if they were like infused with like the rhythmic uh, qualities of like Young the Giant, for example, like Young the Giant have a lot of like very like boppy, you know, like groove and dancey kind of songs. And so this album, Vominos, is pretty much like the embodiment of like the cool, like kind of fast paced, fun interplaying guitar work of the strokes with the boppy, like dancey melodies of, of Young the Giant. So came out in 2014, like I said, um, there's a couple, I mean, every song on it is great. Like, even though they're a, a pretty like smaller ish band, I think like their songs on Spotify. Yeah. They have a few, like their most played songs on Spotify are at about like 600,000 listens. Um, so like they're, you know, big, but not like huge or anything like that, but really, really good. Highly recommend the guy who's the lead singer of the band too. He has like a really cool, smooth, silky voice too. That kind of is like singing along with these like dancey rock songs. So if you're anyone's looking for a good album to listen to in the background this week, I would, uh, highly recommend that one. Uh, so Melissa, one other thing that we do to close out our show, a lot of times, you know, you just gotta remember a guy from the Sabres, just the most random player you could think of. And so Taylor and I now pretty much since we started the podcast have ended every episode with just thinking of a completely random Sabres player from any era. He could have been here for however many games or lack thereof, take that however you will. But, uh, so we always like to give a special shout out to the lost soldiers of the Buffalo Sabres. So Taylor, why don't we start with you for this one? Who is your random Sabres player of the episode? Brian Holzinger, because I was just thinking randomly uh, the other day in my car of RJ saying, Holzinger. I don't know, it's just <laughs> in my head. Uh, but I always remember that my, my dad, every time Brian Holzinger comes up or every time really Paul Hamilton comes up, Paul Hamilton of WGR, he remembers that Paul Hamilton once said that if he could, if Holzinger could start to finish breakaways, that he would be a 50 goal scorer. Wow. Unfortunately, he never learned. So <laughs> I was going to say like 17 goals a year, but uh, yeah, shout out late, late 90 Sabres legend, Brian Holzinger. Love that. I'll go late 90 Sabre as well then. And for mine, I'm going to go Joe Juno. Wow. Yeah. Don't really need to give more of an explanation than that. Melissa, who would you like to use for your random Sabres player of the episode? Eric Rasmussen. Oh, uh, nice. I think we all picked guys in the 99 Cup team, right? Yeah. Was Juno there for that? Or was yeah, he, that's when they he... traded for him. Oh, yeah, you're right. It was yeah. then. Yeah. Because okay. 98, he beat us. I was going to say, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know where that fell with the trade happened. <laughs> Look at us go then. Literally, the only reason I thought of him was, and this is like such a weird 
connection, but I don't even know how old I was, but there's a video clip out there somewhere of like, it wasn't MSG. So whatever it was back then, I, I could like, can't even remember, honestly. Empire? Yes. Where they show Eric Rasmussen and then they show me and my sister as children in the stands and I'm like housing popcorn or something. <laughs> nice. So I will always think of Eric Rasmussen and, and always have that connection. And, Nice. I love that. So, so Melissa, before we say goodbye, though, um, can you just give a, a quick plug for yourself for if you have any latest pieces that are out right now? And again, where people can find you online and where people can find your work online as well? Yeah, of course. Um, so first, I want to plug some hockey that you guys can watch coming up um, because there is women's hockey going on. Um, the PWHBA is continuing its Dream Gap Tour in Chicago next weekend, um, and there will be a game on NBC Sports Network at 2 p.m. on Saturday. Um, so, you know, it'll be really entertaining and it'll be at the United Center. Um, so it should be great to see it on that big, big ice and, you know, um, should be good energy. Um, and then a couple of weeks from now, uh, the weekend of March 12th through the 14th, the Canisius men's hockey team will be in the quarterfinals. Um, unfortunately, obviously there's no fans, um, but you can follow along on Twitter listen um if you want to pay for slow hockey you can or you can just follow along on twitter but uh fingers crossed they will be playing rit um so that'll be a good best of three series um in a couple weeks from now uh as for me um you know just i'm on twitter at underscore melissa burgess um i do stuff at the victory press uh, all about women's hockey um women's sports in general and social issues surrounding uh, sports, um, die by the blade for all my sabers writing. Um, and then, like I said, just with Canisius and the junior sabers. And, um, also if you ever happen to be listening to WBFO, I am on there about once a month talking about women's hockey with Nick Lippa. So, um, stay tuned. I'll be somewhere within the hockey world soon. So very cool. Very cool. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on. We look forward to hopefully having you on again, if you would ever like to, to come back on. Uh, maybe next time we could just really have a full on like hate fueled uh, vent session about the Sabres. I I'm glad we we withheld from that this time around. We don't need that negativity today. No. <laughs> All right, everybody. We're starting a fresh week here. Yes, That's exactly. Right. Fresh week. No Sabres in fresh mind. Month. Fresh month. Fresh yeah. month. Right. Wow. New month, new me. You know, by the end of this month, It'll start getting light out at like, or like, or it'll start staying light out to like 6 30 p.m. Wow. PM. Can you believe it? Can yeah. you imagine? We're getting it's hard there. To think, it's hard to believe that it's already March again. I know. Oh it's my God. so weird to think it's been a year since the pandemic started. I, I, well, almost a year, I, I guess, but it yeah. does not make any sense. Yeah. Ugh. Man. Oh, all right. Well, everybody, I liven it up a little here. All right, everybody. Well, then one last plug for us. Uh, once again, this has been Straight Up Savers presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. The Hockey Podcast Network, 31 teams, 31 shows. Make sure you are checking them all out. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. There's uh, there's 30 teams and 31 shows. We're the extra one that just kind of, we, we don't really cover a team. Uh, actually, I, Taylor and I were talking about it this week. Um, we haven't really talked to, uh, our bosses at the hockey podcast network quite yet about it or at amaze media, but, uh, we're going to try and vie to become the Seattle uh, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this, just need... this is the launch of our campaign. We're moving to Seattle, both yes. the podcast and Taylor and I, mm -hmm. and 
it, we can't do this to ourselves anymore. So why not seek better opportunities talking about an enjoyable thing? Absolutely. Look, we just need the cost of moving covered. Yeah. And yeah. we know that that DraftKings money might be start coming. <laughs> <in>, so <laughs> segue. This episode is also brought to you by DraftKings. We know you guys heard that uh, our, our teaser in the beginning of the episode, our ad for them. But uh, again, we've been having some great partnerships with them right now. We actually, I believe are still, it's still going on the Jersey competition. We're doing another Jersey giveaway with DraftKings, where if you go to the pin tweet on our Twitter account at straight sabers, uh, you will find uh tweets that is our entry into this lead or the, uh, excuse me, our network wide contest that we're doing right now, where we're trying to hook up a fan with a free Jersey. So if our tweet gets the most retweets, we get to pick the fan that retweeted our tweets to give them a free Jersey. Uh, and after we, had our amazing victory in the Jersey bracket uh, where the Buffalo Sabres Jersey was voted as the best Jersey in the NHL. Uh, again, shout out to everybody who retweeted that and helped get that out there for us. Uh, it'd be nice for us to maybe go, uh, go two and Oh, and win this one as well. So make sure you're checking that out. And again, this episode is brought to you by DraftKings, and also along with the hockey podcast network, this show is also presented by Buffalo fanatics Will the Sabres sign or the Sabres? Jesus Christ! Uh, will the Bills, I should say, sign JJ Watt? Will they get John U. Smith, who uh, Richard Sherman even has been potentially put out there as a possibility? So potentially some very exciting things to come in this off season ahead of a season where the Bills again are expected to be Super Bowl contenders, and Buffalo Fanatics is the place to be for taking in all of that information, everything you're looking for from free agency coverage to draft coverage to uh, analyzing what Josh Allen's potential next contract to be to other moves that are going to be happening within the current roster. Buffalo Fanatics is where it's at. So make sure you're checking them out both online uh, throughout all their social media platforms and on their website at buff- the buffalofanatics.com. And also make sure you're checking out the Hockey Podcast Network on the hockeypodcastnetwork.com. And make sure you're following us on our social media platforms as well and subscribing to this podcast on your streaming platform of choice and make sure you're following Melissa too. Now I'm going to shut the hell up. Everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. This has been straight up savers. Bye.